Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Kelly, and she is the host of the Unbroken podcast. I suggest everyone listen to that. She's also a survivor of being sex trafficked by her own parents. And before I introduce her, I need to let everyone know that if you're sensitive to any kind of sexual abuse or that kind of content, uh, maybe think about skipping this episode. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. And I tell you, I have been watching your stories on TikTok. And just like I said, before we started recording, I can't wrap my head around this. I I can't understand how both of your parents would be on board with their own sweet child to do this kind of horrific act. So can you kind of start at the beginning with me and tell me your story? Well, I was trafficked for 26 years. Mm. I was able to escape when I was 26. I went to a battered women's shelter. And as crazy as it sounds, I did not know what I had escaped when I did. It took many years later to find out that it was actually sex trafficking that that I had experienced. I couldn't wrap my mind around parents doing that to their children. I still can't. And I lived it for my whole life. Well, and my thing is too, when I listened to your stories and you said, I didn't know that's what I was involved in, how would anyone know? I mean, to you, that was a normal life. That was a normal lifestyle. Even if maybe your friends, uh, I don't know if you were homeschooled or what happened, and you can tell me that later. Uh, I think in your soul, you maybe knew it wasn't right. But how would you have known those particular words? Because it was almost like you were Stockholm Syndrome, and they were Munchausen by proxy because they loved the attention they were getting from you. So um, am I kind of wrong on that or right? No, you are absolutely right. Um, My therapist does classify me as a survivor of much housing by proxy, too, because of some of the things that they did with mental health and things like that. Basically, they would take me to psychiatrists and have me diagnosed with things that I don't have. And there were a couple of times where they would bring me into a doctor and somehow I had a broken arm that never was broken. So... It's just kind of all meshed into one. Wow. That blows me away. But going back to this, now you said, and I just listened to one of your recent episodes on your podcast, which guys, by the way, her podcast, it's just compelling. It's so interesting because she talks about it. She doesn't go into detail about specifics that happened to her. And honestly, I don't want to know that. I don't even want to wrap my head around those horrific things, but how she felt, what it did to her, what kind of feelings she thought later on and how it changed her life and how she felt when she was in it. And then she surprises herself when she goes back and reads things that she maybe forgot she even wrote. And it's just so interesting to me. But you said in one of your podcasts, you said, you know, my whole family knew I was like, what? Okay, so is this a ring? I don't. Do they all do this? Tell me more about this. You know, it's so complicated. Yes, my parents are involved with a ring, but I don't know if that's how it started for them. I know from hearing from some of my aunts that they trafficked them and some of their friends in high school before I was even born. They came out, I want to say it was a couple years before I was born and went to my grandparents and it was just completely covered up by my family. I never even heard about it or even that my aunts had been assaulted until probably I would say about a year and a half before I actually escaped. Oh my gosh, guys, and she didn't escape her parents until she was 26 years old. And of course, I think her parents pretty much deny it. And like I said, I don't want to get into her parents. We're not going to talk about them. That's not what this is about as far as her personally. Although they did, they did keep her in this ring for a long time. And that's just wow. But what I don't understand is how can two parents, are you an only child? No, I'm not. I have an older brother and a younger brother. And were they both the same sex trafficked as well? I don't know. They've never said anything to me Mm. about it. And I don't talk to them. So if they ever remembered, I would never know about it. 
Okay. Well, obviously they did it for money. I mean, that's the driving force here, correct? Yeah. And actually talking with other survivors that worked at brothels, like kind of guesstimating, they probably made well over $80 million off of me in 26 years. Are you? What? Yeah. And it's crazy because like looking back, Everyone always just said my dad was a con man and stole people's identities. And that's why we had such this rich, lavish lifestyle. Mm. But in reality, it was me. Okay, well, let me ask you about that. Did you have a rich, lavish lifestyle living with your parents? Did they have this nice house? Did you live in a nice neighborhood? Was that all going on? Um, We moved into one of the richer, quote unquote, richer neighborhoods in the area that I lived in when I was about six, seven years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad had a brand new Jaguar, a boat. We had tons of timeshares. So, I mean, yeah, we did kind of live that type of lifestyle, but it all had a very darkness behind it because most of the timeshares were used for sales and things like that. I mean, it was like they hid it somewhat, but they also didn't hide it. I should probably just back up. When did this start happening with you? I don't know because I was too young to really remember. But hearing stories from other family members and just kind of trying to connect dots, my best guess is about two. But if it was younger than that, I would not be surprised. Oh, and you know, um, I remember you were saying in one of your other episodes, you were saying, you know, I don't remember, everything's very fuzzy. And I do think that knowing what I know about sexual abuse, it's been in my family as well, not nearly like yours. But it's almost like an out of body experience, you just leave your body, you just you you just physically leave your body. And I think I think that's a thing. It is. It's actually dissociation is the official term. Yeah. How can you just sit there and take that all the time? Now, as far as you know, I think you said you remember when you as far back as six years old, right? There's some things that I remember in the first house that we lived in, but it's like very minimal. Like I remember one time I was sitting on the couch and it was snowing outside on Thanksgiving I remember being locked in my bedroom because I said a bad word. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't say it to my mom. I whispered it in my cousin's ear and I wouldn't tell her what it was. So um, my uncle had told me that when he came to pick my cousin up that I wrote notes and slipped them under the door, but they were just obviously scribbles because I was about four. (laughs) So, but... I also remember, and it's it's such a weird thing, like it was when I think Super Mario Brothers came out on Nintendo, and my mother took me somewhere, but I don't know where she took me. I only remember leaving the house and coming back. Mm-hmm. So it's just very, very minimal memories. Which is probably a good thing, to be honest with you, that you don't remember this stuff. You know, I always wonder... Is there a way that some hypnotist can make you just forget all of these horrible memories, you know, from your past? But I don't know if that would do any good or not. Yeah, it's it's it, it has its ups and downs. A lot of stuff I wish I didn't remember, but I also feel like if I don't remember, how am I supposed to yeah, no, cope with yeah, it? Yeah. And eventually it's going to surface. So but it's it's hard because when I recount and go back and try to give like an age that I was. I go off the glasses that I was wearing because I got new glasses every two years. Oh, wow. And that's like how I gauge it because I never celebrated birthdays, like no birthday parties and things like that. Yeah. And you also talked about your parents being sadists and they're both narcissists. And we both diagnosed with psychopathy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it actually, I was an adult when that happened, and I was trying to make peace with them and make the house more peaceful, and I always felt like, obviously, everything was my fault, so I suggested we go to family counseling, and they thought it'd be a great idea, because they could gaslight that therapist, and then Uh, they ended up walking out with a psychopathy diagnosis, so... Well, at least that therapist figured it out really quickly. Sometimes you can't always fool the people that are experts in the field. I hope that's what happened. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was I started seeing things and started speaking up for myself. And it wasn't always about telling doctors and 
trusted adults like exactly what was happening but explaining the abuse side because up until I was 33 I just thought it was domestic violence and I didn't even realize some of the things that they were doing to me was abuse until I was 25 which was just a year before I escaped now, how, let me ask you this. How often was it? Was it so often to where you had to be homeschooled or you couldn't go to school? I actually did attend a private Catholic school mm. um, all the way through 10th grade. And then I finished my last two years at a public high school. Okay. But yeah, I still went to school every day. Uh, my mom was like the room mom that they have and would volunteer. My dad volunteered. And I mean, everybody loved them and nobody, I I don't know how nobody saw anything, but. You know, the first thing that came to my mind, Kelly, was John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer, who was the pillar of just everybody loved him. He was that clown and everybody thought he was fantastic and he was so charismatic and everybody loved him. And he ended up killing a bunch of young men. And he was the pillar of society where everybody just admired him. And it sounds like your parents, they had the best act. No one would have suspected. Yeah. Yeah. Since they had a victim at such a young age, they were able to shape my entire life to be the perfect victim that no one would suspect anything. And of course, you're thinking, well, no one's going to believe me. And honestly, it sounds like a lot of people either didn't believe you or they were like, oh, she just wants attention. I mean, did that happen too? So I talked to a little girl. Well, she was a little girl when I babysat her. She's an adult now. Like, I remember the day she was born. I talked with her and she said that everyone just thought my dad was abusive, that there was a physical altercation between him and my mother out on the front lawn, which was very dramatic. My thinking is it was optics. But when I would babysit, I would ask them if I could spend the night and never really wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. So they talked to my mother and she said that I had problems and episodes, that I was bipolar. And when I got in my depressed state, I just made things up to justify to myself why I felt so sad. So I didn't know at the time. I thought I was just a really good babysitter, but... All the people on our street all banded together and they didn't know what to do. They wanted to believe me, but there weren't very many resources back then. So they just all had me babysitting for them as much as they could to get me at least out of the house for a few hours. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, they were paying me $20 an hour back in the 90s. I thought that was normal. But apparently, babysitters don't even charge that now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I got to give it to them if they're trying to help you, though. Yeah, it's just the hardest thing is knowing everything I know now and how very common, unfortunately, it is that mothers are involved, too. Mm. I think if they would have known that back then, they would have taken other steps instead of going to my mother. They figured, you know, she would protect her daughter. She's a woman. But my mother ran things and my dad just followed. He was basically her puppet. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Your mother, okay, first of all, wow, your mother yeah. was the ringleader of this. So is it because, she, was she a shopper? Was she somebody that had to have nice things? Is it because of that part with the money? What was the driving force for her then? <sighs> I have no idea. I wish I could answer yeah, that. No, but- I, how can you? I mean, I mean, the jobs that my father worked were very well-paying jobs. They were businesses that he owned himself. So, I mean, I don't think having a rich, lavish lifestyle was the driving force because they already had that ish. Obviously, it added to it. But the only thing I can really think of is she's just an evil person and she saw dollar signs and she just didn't care that it was her kid. My goodness. Well, I tell you, I know that listening to your podcast, when you say, guys, it's not just men, it can be it can be women, it can be even your own mother, even an aunt that might know something else like your aunts knew because they were trafficked too. you said before you even came along. Yeah. And it's like thinking about some of the I call them frequent flyer clients, the ones that I saw over and over again. Mm -hmm. The women were always more sadistic and evil than the men ever were. 
I'm like terrified of women. Oh my, well, you know, let's be honest, men just pretty much want one thing and and that's it. You know, I'm not saying that there can't be evil men out there. We all know they're there too. But yeah, if you're in this kind of situation and you've got a a woman who's allowing her own daughter to be sex trafficked to men, and we, we didn't even get to the part, how often was this happening? It's, it went up and down. Sometimes it was multiple times a day. Other times it was just on the weekends. I mean, there was really no consistency to it. There was about a two, two and a half year period where I was placed at a house with someone else in the ring and I was locked either in a bedroom or in a cage in the living room. And there were two other kids there with me, but that was like between 10 to 20 all day, every day, seven days a week. Oh, Kelly. How old were you? Um, between 14 and 16-ish. And how were you going to school? At that time, I wasn't. The story that I was told was everyone thought that I was in a psychiatric unit. Do you think you were starting to get it and your mom knew it, so she pretty much just, you know, put you away for a while? to maybe do even more mental damage. I mean, I don't know. I I don't remember how, but they had a finished basement and there was like a back room and they had me in there. I don't know why I was in there, but I managed to get out of the restraints Ugh. and I was running up and down the street. I think it was like it had to be after midnight because there were no lights on in any houses. Ugh. And my dad found me brought me back to the house. And then the following day, me and my brother were at the top of the stairs listening to my parents argue. And my dad was screaming, you know, she causes too much trouble. I'm leaving you and I'm not coming back until she's gone. And then a few hours later, we met up at a gas station with two men in a pickup truck. So. Oh, honey. Oh my gosh. I, I, wow. I don't know how someone can mentally survive something like this when this is something that went on your entire life. How do you handle this, Kelly? I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know how someone can either. I I mean, I'm a very spiritual person and I just, I kind of use my faith to get through. And I look now at all the people that I've helped in the past few years and I'm just like, you know, there was something in me that knew I needed to survive and maybe it was that. So, well, I tell you, your podcast is helping spread the word. And this is why I wanted to interview because I want to help spread the word. So what can be done, do you think, to help stop this? I don't know if we ever really can, but do you have any insight? Do you have any ideas what we can start to do something? What what can we do? Well, the biggest thing right now is, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard it a lot, sex trafficking is hidden in plain sight. Yes. So if you shine a spotlight on it, it's not hidden. So I think spreading awareness and accurate awareness, staying away from conspiracy theories, and basically pointing a light and learning signs that you can spot in people that are out in public because you've probably passed quite a few sex trafficking victims in your lifetime and not even have known it. Mm. I think that's really the best way to start and just basically get educated about what it is because right now they've got their system down that they've been using for decades and it's been working for a very long time. So just kind of breaking that. I know a lot of people are focused on arrests and everything, which actually are happening. I just got an article today of a girl that was taken from, uh, I believe it was a Mavericks game and she was missing for 11 days and found in Oklahoma City. And they just rescued her about, I think the news broke about a half hour ago. And in the article, they talk about how many different things failed her. Like she was with an older man at hotels and at airports and nobody questioned anything. So it's like at any point, if somebody had thought, wait a minute, that doesn't look normal and called out the cops, she could have been saved. So I think awareness is like the number one thing. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, and I keep hearing people, and then you may uh, tell me otherwise, but I keep hearing people on TikTok or Instagram saying, hey, I was at Target or I was at Walmart, and these people were kind of following me. Be aware of your surroundings and, you know, don't give in to anyone. Don't follow anyone. Don't let anyone tell you, hey, I've got this, come with me or whatever. Is that something that's an issue too, or are you finding that? Um, It's hard because, yes, that does happen. The ones on TikTok that you see, I don't like calling people liars but one girl I saw she was wearing her mask sitting in the car saying she was so terrified she couldn't even take her mask off but yet she didn't leave the parking lot of where the guy allegedly tried to snatch her so it's like you kind of got to take a step back and does this really make sense some people will do it for what they call clout chasing sure But, I mean, obviously, always be aware of your surroundings for your safety and others. Like, I was in Target just a few months ago, and there was a kid just running around, and I'm like, where are your parents? Right, yeah. And I sat with the child until the parents came, and I got, you know, the employees involved, too, because I was like, you know, I mean, kids run off. My kid runs off all the time, but... Well, they don't care how old the child is. Clearly, if you possibly could have been abused at a very, very young age. So, and I think when I, the one I heard, the couple that I heard, they were actually older women with their daughters. Yeah, I'm not sure how much truth there is to that because it's like, I've seen it from like 30 different people, okay. the exact same story. And it's all a different target, meaning a different state. Right. Because it, over 90% of sex trafficking victims know their sex traffickers. Oh. The number one is obviously familial sex trafficking, easiest access. Number two is like you'll interview for a job and then the job ends up not being what you're interviewing for. They typically target models Mm -hmm. and college students. Mm -hmm. A good way to spot them is if there's like a targeted age and a targeted gender Like if they say like college students make 2,500 to 500 a week, that's a red flag ad for a job or models, girls, 14 to 17. That's also would be a red flag. But it's not like you go to the interview and then they just take you like they work on you for a few weeks to groom you and thinking that this job is a real job. I've heard some survivors say that they actually perform tasks beforehand and it was like when it happened they were like whoa but um right now with technology they're actually using younger women and children that are already under their control to reach out to troubled kids through social media And they'll essentially like talk to them, become a close confidant and say, listen, like your parents are abusing you. You can come stay with me and my dad and we'll keep you safe. And that's how they're targeting our kids is through games and social media. But the part that's different now that not a lot of people think about is it's not a grown man. It's the face of a child doing it. They use yeah. them as bait. Mm-hmm. And it's it's called, rec- like, it's like kind of a promotion in sex trafficking. You become a recruiter. So oh they basically God. present a victim with the option to either go on sales or to go and recruit other people to bring them in. And most of the time, the victims choose to recruit because they don't have to go on sales anymore. So oh. it, it's really suck. <laughs> Oh, my God. And the fact that you have no control when you are indoctrinated at such a young age, you know, like you were, you didn't think you had control. These were your parents. Yeah. I mean, you had no control. And another thing you said on the podcast, you said, listen, I talked to my principal, I talked to teachers, and most of the time you weren't even believed. That was another big problem for you. Yeah, and it just... It got to the point where the people that I did trust didn't believe me. So eventually it it turned into, okay, well, this is confirmation that what's happening to me is normal. So I just stopped talking about it. Oh my God. Okay. And let me, I got to, I got to say something here too. To my listeners, if a child comes up to you and says, there's something going on in my family, this is what's happening to me. Trust me. It's embarrassing. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell anyone, but they're at their wits end because they are being so abused, they're scared out of their minds. 
Kids do not lie. Kids do not lie. A couple things that I like, like I always say, like once you know, you can never unknow. Yes. And it's better to report and be wrong than to be right and do nothing. No one's going to get charged with filing a false report over a suspicion. That's the point of the missing and exploited and the human trafficking hotlines is suspicions. And they say it right there. Do you suspect that someone is being exploited? So even if they're not, it's better to just report if you have that hunch because that gut feeling is there for a reason. Because there's that Stockholm syndrome going on for you. You feel trapped. Mm -hmm. You feel like you can't go anywhere. You did for years. And your parents, as sick as they were, also turned it around and made it more of a Munchausen by proxy, taking you in for the attention of a broken arm when you didn't have one. They would have me trafficked through the psych ward. And like in the emergency psych ward, they would claim I was wanting to unalive myself. And then they would have medical records that I had issues. So those were used to excuse why I was, quote unquote, lying and making things up. So it was just like this perfect circle and cycle that followed me until my mid-20s. The being believed part is so important. It's so powerful for victims. Guys, you don't understand being believed someone to go, hey, listen, I'm here for you. I'll protect you. I'm going to help you and we're going to move on from this and we're going to get the help you need. But when you said no one believed you and they were putting you in psych wards, it breaks my heart for you, Kelly. I learned to love the psych wards. I actually like no joke when I escaped and it's, it's wild because when I escaped, when I would get scared, I would sign myself in because I felt so safe in there with like privacy and HIPAA laws. But it's like there were so many evil things that happened on, when I was a child there. And it's like crazy that I actually found peace there after my escape. I haven't been to one in years, probably over 10 years now. But sometimes children will reach out in ways that's not obvious. So I had yeah. an account follow me on my Instagram and I always check out who follows me. Like I just click profile like to view their profile. And I instantly knew that these were ads. Um, She was dressed in very provocative ways. It was very inappropriate for, uh, she looked like she was 12, 13 Mm. years old. So I instantly reported it to Instagram, reported it to the cyber crimes with the FBI and National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And I saw the account went away and I was like, God, I hope they helped her. I got a message from her a couple months after, and she said the only time she was allowed to use a phone was to update pictures. And she saw my podcast page and she followed me because she had planned to reach out to me if she ever got the chance, but she never did because I quickly reported it. And she said that they actually came out and rescued her from her parents. And she was with a foster family and just basically getting through it. And she's like, thank you. She's like, I had no idea just clicking a follow button would have saved my life. And I'm like, I had no idea clicking a view profile would save someone's life, but I'm glad you're okay. But it's, it's just as simple as that. I mean, just like that in two seconds and she was rescued. Oh, Kelly. First of all, look what you did. My goodness. And, but you, I give her the credit. Yeah. But you know what? You saw the signs, you, you know, you followed the dots, you know, you watched and looked and studied it and went, okay, this isn't right. I know it's not. And I don't, you know, I don't owe her anything. She doesn't owe me anything, but I can do my part. And you did. Yeah. And I mean, sex trafficking is a huge industry. There are a lot of people that are being trafficked, but there are more people that aren't. So the way I see it is, yeah, I saved that little girl. Well, maybe somebody will notice something on Instagram and save somebody else. So if everyone does it, just one, that's all it takes. And then we can eventually end it. Yeah, because like I said, I don't know if it will ever end, but we can certainly, you know, spread the... I mean, it's always going to happen, but we can make a huge difference in it. And I even make it, I made a video just the other day on TikTok talking about they're targeting abused kids and kids that are getting bullied in school. So it's like when you see grown adults yelling at each other and 
bullying each other online, sex traffickers going to use that and they're going to swoop in and be kind to these kids and tell them they understand and the kids are going to open up to the ones that are being kind, not the ones that are acting like the people that they're really wanting to be away from right your behavior can also affect that well that's what i said we were talking earlier and i said you know it's almost like a little mini cult because they groom them and they they get them away from their families and they tell them all the things they want to hear because they it's love bombing like you've said before and then all of a sudden they trust them oh and can you go out and do this little thing for us it's gonna make us real happy but we'll give you a cookies or whatever they say to these young girls and they're happy to do it because by then they trust them and that's a cult yeah and it's i mean there are cults that do human trafficking like Mm. labor sex trafficking and all of that but there's also sex trafficking that doesn't involve cults but they use the same type of brainwashing techniques so i mean it's all it's not one and the same, but it's all very similar. It's very similar. And to me, in my mind, it's kind of a cult to me, just because, whether it's uh, or organized cult or not. Many people ask me if it was a cult. Some cult experts refer to it as a cult of one <laughs> because it was just it. my family. Yeah. but. Yeah, and that's the, a good way to put it because seriously, they were gaslighting you. They were love bombing you when they needed to. They were getting rid of you when you were too much. Um, now you don't even speak to them, which I think is a good thing. October 22nd, 2009 is the last oh time I've spoken to them. And I do know you have to move a lot just to kind of stay away from that situation, correct? Yeah, I've lived in close to 20 states now oh in gosh. almost 13 years. Is it because they're still after you, Kelly? Yeah. Somebody is. If it's them or somebody else in the ring, I'm not entirely sure, but somebody is. And they always seem to find me. I've done as much as I can to stay as hidden and safe as I can, but it isn't easy. Uh, Three legal name changes and... I mean, we lived in hotels for a while when my son was younger because I just didn't feel safe because of police, you know, like hotels, they cannot even tell a police officer that I'm staying there without a warrant. So, but eventually we grew up like my son's just too big to fit in a hotel room. He's too big for this three bedroom apartment I live in now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work and I'm lucky to have such an amazing supportive husband that just kind of goes along for the ride and he just lets me do what I need to do to stay safe and feel safe. So I I got lucky when I got him. And you know what, when you said he just lets me do what I need to do to feel safe, um, that's more than anybody has ever, ever, ever given you. Oh, yeah. He lets me pay all the bills. It sounds like so stupid, but I was financially abused for so long. I didn't like my money went into my dad's bank account and I had to ask for like $20 every day just to get gas for my car and a pack of cigarettes. And I'm talking when I was in my 20s. Wow. And it's hard because I'm stuck in the habit, like the second the paycheck comes through, I just pay all the bills that are due until the next paycheck. And my husband's just like, you you don't have to do that. And I'm like, shush, just let me do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just such. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, you have control over it and you have control over yeah. something in your life. It's almost like anything else. When you um, go through the abuse that maybe you and me, I've gone through some too, have gone through... I got to admit, I like control. I really do. And I... healthier control than what I used to. But it's actually, it's it's insane because my ex-husband was abusive and he's a whole separate story himself that I I don't really like to talk about. I kind of want to keep him on the side until both of my daughters are adults because, you know, I don't want to bash their dad. Sure. But I started going to support groups after me and him split up after the last, um, I guess, beating would be the nicest way to say it. And they handed me the wheel of power and control. And it, it shows all the different things. And I think I actually have an episode where I actually read every single thing on there. And I was sitting in this support group with all these women and I got to the financial abuse part and I just started crying. I'm like, oh my God. And like, as I'm going to like each spoke of the wheel on it, I'm just like getting more and more emotional. And the group facilitator was like, does it remind you of your ex-husband? And I'm like, 
I think my parents are abusive because this is my parents. Like this reminds me of my parents, not my ex-husband. And that was, uh, I was 25. That was the first time that I ever really questioned that my entire life was in fact not normal at all. Yeah. And then I I can only imagine the shock and anger and torment and heartbreak that went on all at once maybe for you yeah that's when a lot of the memories really started coming in I mean at that point it was like under 18 it was like there was a black wall like I just didn't remember anything Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. and that's when things started coming and I started remembering things and I was I mean even in 2011 I escaped in 2009 me and my husband started off as pen pals while he was deployed The way I described it to him was they would assault me and they would let their friends assault me too. That was, that was how I described it. And it took until 2015, I was going through just reading blogs of survivors because like, I didn't feel like I fit in with the domestic violence crowd because it was always like a spouse and I tried some adults of survivors of child trauma and I still didn't like, I just, I couldn't figure out what it was. I just right. didn't feel like I belonged. And I found a woman's blog that talked about how her daughter had been kidnapped and taken into sex trafficking. So she got herself taken in as well. So she could get out and they both did get out. So wow. She um, had an email address. I emailed her and shared just a little bit. And it turns out that it was actually my father that kidnapped her and her daughter. What? Yeah, it was wild. She's like, I got to ask, is that your real name? Because I was using an email address that had my birth name. And I said, can I ask why? And she's like, do you know? And she said my dad's name. And she's like, do you know him? And I was like, I do. She's like, that's the man that did it. And I was like, are are you sure? And I sent over a picture and her and her daughter both confirmed. She's like, yeah, that's him. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, how is this possible? I mean, but it's almost like divine intervention. I swear to God, you know, because yeah. yeah. And she won't talk to me anymore. I think there's a bit distrust there, which I totally get. Yeah. You know, you've like imagine having someone reach out to you from some sex trafficker that kidnapped you like a decade ago and it ends up being their kid. Yeah. And she's probably like, he wants me back in. They're going to follow me. All the things you're trying to get away from. She has no idea. She doesn't know you. Why would she think you're trustworthy? Absolutely. Yeah. But then I just started reading sex trafficking survivors blogs and I was like, oh my God, like, what if money was exchanged? Like, I remember just saying that to my husband and he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, remember when I told you he would pass me around to his friends? What if they weren't his friends and money was exchanged? He's like, sounds plausible. I was like, I was sex trafficked. And he's like, what is that? I'm like, like the movie Taken, but not in like Italy and not being auctioned off on a boat, but being forced into prostitution. Uh, and he, and then I just brought it up with my therapist and they were like, yeah, glad you finally figured it out. I'm like, you could have told me, right? <laughs> but it was, and I totally agree with what she said. It was something I needed to discover on my own. If she had told me, I probably would have put my system into shock. And the way I found out, like, I had to find out for myself. So, Well, the way you found out would have shocked me to death, too. I, wow. I mean, that's like a movie. That's like a movie that they try to put out so you could understand how it all works. And guess what? It comes full circle. And here I am emailing someone who my dad just kidnapped and her daughter. Well, it hadn't just kidnapped. It was actually like 10 years prior when I reached out to her. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Crazy ride. (laughs) I I mean, I found a sex trafficking survivor. She has a book out. They have a movie about her story out. And she was a friend of a friend. And my friend introduced us and turns out that she was actually there the night with the two guys in the pickup truck. Oh, my God. And I was kind of skeptical at first because I was like, maybe she's just trying to bond with me a little bit. 
But she had some very specific details about my father's car that nobody would have thought was significant. Mm. He was so stupid. He got these gold pinstripes. Mm. And, like, when he brought the car home, like, he lined the whole family up outside to see these stupid pinstripes. And she said as soon as she got in the car with him, he's like, did you notice the gold pinstripes? They're no. And it's like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like. Wow. How how did this happen? But it's like I'm meeting so many survivors that we've all crossed paths throughout our lives. It just gives it more credence, really. It just makes it more real and that you're right and that that you were gaslit. This woman was trafficked in Texas, mainly. So it's like it just shows like how widespread it is, but how close to home it is, too. Yes, he must have been involved. I mean, I was trafficked in the mall during shopping hours Uh, at amusement parks and dental offices during office hours, doctor's offices, emergency rooms. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I can't even, I can't even take my kids to the doctors when they get their vaccines. I've had my husband do it because I can't hear kids cry. It triggers me because it's like my cries were very different from their cries. So it's like, I want to like bust in the door and make sure they're not doing anything, but oh. I'll probably get arrested for that. So I just have my husband do it. Oh my yeah, <laughs> you know, oh God, the evil of humanity um, mm-hmm. is so real. And people are always saying, oh, it's devil and it's demons. No, you guys, <laughs> it's nothing to do with that. Guess what? There aren't any of those. Everything that's evil in this world is it's human made. It's man made. And that's the thing is there's so many conspiracy theories out there and about 90% of them are actually created by traffickers to yeah. distract people into thinking sex trafficking is something that it wasn't. Like the whole Wayfair debacle, right. it actually is what got me to start sharing my story on TikTok right. was I because people, I'm like, this isn't real. And people are like arguing with me. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, let's take a step back. So you buy this desk and you put it in your cart with your name, your address and your credit card number. Now the police have your identity, your location and proof that you purchased a child. Why would you do that? Right. And how do you get the kid? And how do you return the kid? Well, you want to return it. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that's why I started sharing. And then they had that crazy story about kids in underground tunnels in Central Park. I'm like, you guys are hurting my brain. I'm like, have you ever been there? Yeah. I'm like, have you ever seen security like guarded men with guns and fences and stuff? They're like, no. I'm like, so the world's biggest sex trafficking ring is happening where anybody can walk in at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, well, they're probably inside of the tunnels. No, it's homeless people and vagrants living inside of the tunnels. It's not children being trafficked for decades. I'm like, come on now. Like, you got to kind of step back and think, like, does this actually make sense? Like I said, the girl was so terrified to take her mask off, but she was still in the parking lot. Right. No. That's and they always yeah. tell you, go to a populated area. Uh, ma'am, you are at Walmart. Unless you're going to an NFL football game, you're not getting something more populated than a Walmart parking lot. That's true. (laughs) And I mean, there are creeps at Walmart and there there are people that follow you around, but it's like people forget that creepy people still exist, serial killers and just people that kidnap exist. It's like everything gets classified as sex traffickers. That's but true. that's a good point. It's yeah. some of the really crazy theories they're put out by the traffickers. So it's like it kind of kills two birds with one stone. Absolutely. It gets people thinking sex trafficking is something that it's not, and it discredits any survivor that attempts to speak out or correct people. Right? No, it's true because you, when you're saying I was in dentist offices and I was in emergency rooms and I was in the backs of whatever other places you were, pretty much in plain sight, where hey, you should be protected because you're in a hospital or you're at another doctor's office and that's still going on? What? Well, and it's, I mean, I keep getting asked on the one video where I talked about being brought to the abortion clinics Mm -hmm. and they're like, why didn't they report? Um, Because they were in on it. You know, I don't know if the whole clinic was, but it's like sex traffickers place people from the ring in certain positions Mm -hmm. 
So that way it will help them. So it's like CPS isn't sex trafficking kids, but there are sex traffickers that work in CPS that will intercept calls sometimes. Wow. Same thing with the foster care system and pretty much everything. I know one of the quote unquote members of the ring is a lawyer and licensed to practice law, but nobody knows it. And Mm -hmm. that person handles the illegal adoptions from bringing in kids from Central and South America and adopting them to people in the ring. But nobody knows that they're actually a lawyer because they don't practice law. They're like a stay-at-home mom or they work at like a car dealership. So they're very secretive. But it's like looking back at everybody I know, it's like you I see it now. Yeah. How can you not? Everything, you know, just like when you and I talked, you vetted me out. You're like, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're you're somebody trying to get a hold of me that maybe is from my past or some, you know, someone that my parents know. And you were like, no, I'll let you know if I want to talk to you. And you did. And I, you know what? I had a lot of respect for you for that. And that made me know you were the real deal. Well, there's a couple other people that commented, I want you to be on my podcast. Can I get your number? And I'm like, nope, reach out to me on social media. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like, I just have like a radar. Like I can spot creepy people. Yeah. (laughs) And it's one of those things where some people just want it for the clickbait of, hey, listen to my podcast, look who I have on. And don't get me wrong. I love the fact that I can have people like you on my podcast, but I don't do it for that. I really, truly want to help, you know, little Kelly, even though you're grown now. I want to help another little Kelly. And if I can do that and you can do that and people that are listening can maybe start thinking about the ways they can do it. If anything like that happens, I will absolutely do these podcasts. I will absolutely yeah. keep doing these. Well, I actually have on my TikTok, there's this guy, I have another duet that I'm going to do. He does social experiments mm. where they'll be like, one is a woman sitting on a bench on the phone. And then a kid sitting next to her and a guy comes up and says, hey, your dad told me to come get you. Right. And the woman's like, who are you? Like, I thought this woman was going to kill this guy. (laughs) She went (laughs) nuts. But it's just little things like that. Like, you know, like, obviously you can't get in between a parent and their child. But when I was brought to the malls, they would drop me off at one store, distract me, and then they would leave. I would go up to a worker and say that I was lost. Oh, so they would okay. announce over the system with the parents of so-and-so come to, you know, the Disney store to come pick up their child. And then the babysitter from the ring would come and get me and take me to a client in an undisclosed location in the mall after what they paid for was done. Mm. They would throw like an oversized dress on me or a sweatshirt and put a hat on me. They never changed my shoes. That's one thing I always remember is they never changed my shoes because it was just so quick. And then the babysitter would drop me off at a different store and do the same thing over. But it was like, it took like two, three hours. So nobody really paid attention that they just heard the same missing child's name twice over the loudspeakers and if people thought I looked familiar they probably didn't recognize or thought I was someone different because I had different clothes on so Uh, my jaw is so far open I I I can't believe I want to cry for you I want to cry for you I've done enough crying for myself oh my god (laughs) Kelly I I just I I don't even know what to say Uh, I'm not sure there's an answer to that or anything to say but and it's crazy to me because you sound so sane and you sound so calm and you know I don't think it's because you're necessarily calm or terribly real sane I don't think any of us really are in this world but (laughs) but I think you've come to terms with it and I get so crazy superstitious I don't know if anyone is a Los Angeles Angels fan but they pitched a no-hitter last night And he texted me and I'm like, don't text me. I'm watching a no hitter and I'm not a fan of theirs, but I love watching no hitters. And he's like, me texting you isn't going to affect a pitcher on the other side of the country, babe. I'm like, stop. If he loses this, it's going to be your fault. Like I drive him crazy with like my superstitions and my OCD and that's okay. You know what? You got my permission to be as weird as you want and OCD as you want, because you know what? You've earned it. And I I, I take it too far though. Well, Kelly, we could probably talk for another three hours, but I just want my, I just want my listeners to know 
You got to go listen to Kelly's podcast, The Unbroken Podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm going to put a link in my show notes. And Kelly, is there anything else you'd like to say before we, we end this? Just don't ever think it can't happen to you or your children because it can. I mean, I live in a building that has 16 apartments. Statistically, there is one person being sex trafficked through the apartments. And no, none of my neighbors are. I've checked. But it's a lot of people keep that. And I think they fall into the creepy guys at Walmart stories because it separates themselves and it helps them keep like feel safe. But it's not reality. It literally could be anybody. So I, I think the more that people keep it closer to them, the more cautious that they are, because it's. I mean, there's, I can't even tell you how many times I've talked to a victim and they blurt out, oh yeah, my ex-husband used to sell me. I'm like, you were sex trafficked. And they're like, oh my God, I was. And it's, you know, they're just like, I never thought that that is how it was. So just don't ever think it can't happen to you because it can and it might. And just because you see a child's face or hear a child's voice out of a video game that your kid is playing does not mean that it is not someone trying to groom them. Well, and see if we can spread awareness and just tell people, guys, you know, there are more people not being sex trafficked. We already talked about that. But there are enough people that we've got to do something about this. This is horrific. And if we can spread the word, I'm all for it. So Kelly, my heart bleeds for you. And I know you've done enough of that. But I want you to know, I think we all feel that way for you right now. And I, I can't thank you enough for just sharing your story with me. Thank you. We'll try to focus on the good side. I've got a great life now, an amazing husband, amazing kids, although my daughters make me realize that my crazy is a little bit genetic. Um, (laughs) They're they're very into anime, and they go nuts about anime, and I'm just like, yeah, my crazy is genetic. They're good kids, and I wish someone would have saved me sooner, but it happened the way it was supposed to happen. So I still feel like I'm blessed to have the life that I live. I wasn't supposed to survive, but I did. And that pisses them off every day. And that's enough for me. Yeah. Well, I tell you, you have been amazing. Thank you so much again. Thanks for having me on. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.